Previously on Fun Science Fiction. Like, there were a few moments in season two that were also the kind of same kind of thing where I was like, I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Sally Safioti, the voice of Aramis from Destiny 2. You are listening to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast that made Princess Leia give up and not go looking for her only hope. So our guest today is an actress and a voiceover artist who has currently over 150 credits on her IMDb list. That, of course, IMDb is always a, a floating functional list, so you want to check that uh, every now and then. But our guest has been in DC's Watchmen, the movie version, has voiceover credits in animes and animation like Monster High, Arcane, Animaniacs, Violet, Ever Violet Evergarden. I always say violent for some reason. Violet Evergarden, and also video games like Destiny 2, Monster Hunter, Fortnite, and literally so, so many others. We are excited to welcome Sally Safioti to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Welcome to the show, Sally. Thanks for having me. Yay. So happy to be here. Yeah. I'm glad we could make this work out. Now, clearly, this is not who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> but, I, but I did phone a friend and ask them to help with a question for you. Oh, good gracious. So the following comes from a former guest and our mutual friend, OG Banks, uh -oh. <laughs> also known as Claude Wolf on Monster High. My brother from another mother. <laughs> That's right. So OG asks, now this is referring to you and him. He says, if we were a superhero team, Hold on, what Tim, would be can our- you say it like OG? Can I? No, I cannot. <laughs> No, Tim I have that much soul. I am, I am not a voice. <laughs> and voice I'm not guy. just saying that because he's a ginger. Yeah. So OG asks, if we were a superhero team, what would be our names and superpowers? Oh, he would throw the, one of those in there. You know, <laughs> that's I, why, I have to that's why I that, love him. Yeah, I have to say that, you know, I feel like we already are a superhero team because whenever we're together, we're like yin and yang. We're like wonder twins you know and i can't even describe the energy that we have when we're together so he wants to know what would our tell me the question again what would our super yeah, what would your names be and what would your superpowers be mm, okay let's see he would be I think uh, he would be like Soul Master General. <laughs> and um, I think I would be, let's see, the, um, hmm, the Fiery Flower. <laughs> All right, cool. So then so what, what would your powers, powers be? Well, mine would be looking really sweet and soft on the outside, but I could burn you if you cross us the wrong way. There you and, go. Yeah. And his would be that he can take any kind of a challenging situation and he'd be able to talk talk his way out of it. Right there. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think he could probably do that. He's, he's he pretty slick. I've known him for a very long time. <laughs> Once you get uh, he's, like, he does, I'm like the super soulmates, something like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's extremely quick witted and, and quick on his feet on things. So I think he could he could pull that off pretty easily. Yeah, <clears throat> we had a blast. We had a blast talking to him. He was 
a oh, riot. He's, he's on fire. Oh yeah. His when, energy uh, is just ridiculous though. Uh-huh. Like, he's yeah. always that. like that. Always. I need that in my life. I need to figure out what his secret is. That's just it's insane. He works out a lot. Yeah, never mind. That's not <laughs> gonna happen. <laughs> And done. Okay. If it involves exercising, thank you. (laughs) Extra frizing, I can do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There you go. So, Sally, in the the movie The Watchmen, you play the role of Annie Leibowitz, who's a real-life American photographer. And Annie was actually one of many characters who were portrayed, real characters who were portrayed or had a cameo in that that movie. Mm -hmm. So when you portray a real person and not just a created character, what are your concerns about that? And like, how do you just, how do you address those? Do you have issues playing real people? I don't. Um, I, I would say that I've done it way more often in voiceover. Uh, I'm a pretty good voice matcher. So I often voice match people, you know, in trailers and things like that. I think um, with that part in particular, uh, I didn't want, I didn't want to offend anyone and I didn't want to offend her. You know what I was thinking? Like, I am short. She's tall. I'm Italian. She's German. <laughs> I was like, we're, we're very different people. She's got blonde hair. I have brown hair. You know, it was like, I remember thinking like me, like, are you sure you want me? Like, and there was like talk of like um, putting, getting a prosthetic nose, but then they decided that my schnoz was large enough. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think that was my concern. I was a little bit like, oh, like, should I be studying her? But the funny thing is, is I had met her in person in New York. Um, She photographed a friend of mine. And uh, so I had met her, I mean, maybe 15 years before I got that part. You know, I didn't even know who she was. I mean, I had heard of her name, but I wasn't really familiar with her. So when I got cast as this part, I just thought, oh, how cool is that? You know, like, let me just draw on that moment. But um, I, I would say my biggest concern is like offending anybody, you know, like I don't want to do a caricature of someone. Um, I mean, sometimes in animation, that's exactly what you're doing. Like on um, Animaniacs, I, I do a character called Rachel Madcow. Mm-hmm. And that's like Rachel Maddow, but it's like an extreme sure. version, right? right. So, <laughs> so in this case- Hilarious character. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, thanks. So it was trying to be as, uh, you know, as natural and she's a pretty when I met her anyway she was a pretty mellow person and really kind of dropped in and I think I just kind of went for that um but working with Zack Snyder he was so incredible to work with and I I got to go to Vancouver for a week when I shot that and uh he just was like yeah you know you do you man you're you were so good in the audition and you know and 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 all I did was really just kind of drop into myself because I remembered her vibe Mm -hmm. um and I think even that's what I do in voiceover. You try to like give the vibe of the person, you know, I'm obviously not her, right? And right. it's a cool moment in that movie, um, but it was a really cool thing to be a part of. That's really yeah. cool. And I, I'm impressed by your ability to voice match because that is, that is incredible. And the, the ear training involved with that is so cool. But then to be able to like personally match the vibe of somebody is really <laughs> cool. That's, that's, that's some serious talent. Oh, thanks. I, uh, it's funny. I was thinking about, cause people often ask about voice matching and, um, I'm not someone who spends hours on voice matching someone mm-hmm. for me. It's like, I can tell right away if it's, if it'll come right out for me. Right. So it'll, it's like, um, so I was a violinist 
I don't know if anybody knows that, but I was a violinist when I was young and I was really good at it. And, but I never really had classes or anything. And it was like, I could just read the music and it, it feels very similar to me. It's like, for me, when I hear someone's voice, it's like music. And if I could hear that music in my head, I can spit it back out like, like a parrot, you know? Okay. And, um, and so it just, it's, it's like, for me, I, like, I don't spend time working on every nuance, which I know a lot of people do for me. It's like, if I, if I get a little sense of it, I'm like, okay, just I, like, just go now. Like, I don't need to hear anymore because for me, it's like, I got the music going on and yeah. I just go for the best. And if it works out great, then I'm a good match. And if I'm not, then I'm not, you know? That's really cool. The number of voice actors who have musical background is incredible to me. Is it? See, I don't know about all that. Yeah, it's actually pretty high, I think, uh, in comparison. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the fair number of people that we've spoken with who are in voiceover, um, a few that come to my mind right off the top of the, off the top of my head are we, when we talked with Rob Paulson, you know, he talked about that when he, when we talked with Paul Eiding, he talked about that. Uh, I think Hal rail, uh, talked about it as well. Uh, and a couple other guys, you know, they all talked about the, the um, you know, the musicality of, of their youth and growing yeah. up and how that is all, you know, even Dan Povenmire and, uh, um, uh, Swampy. Swampy Marsh both talked about, you know, musicality of growing up and you know how music has affected them going into not only the creation of their shows but the the care the voice characterizations that they've done inside their own shows so but yeah now that you're saying that I, I feel like a lot of voiceover people I know are actually like totally incredible singers I, I you know I'm, I, I can carry a tune I'm not really a singer um but that makes sense too to me that like a lot of a lot of voiceover people are really fan like they're in bands or you know mm -hmm musical theater and things like that. So a little on the, I guess, sillier side of a question, but more of your creative side as well. So if you were given a one minute ad slot during the Super Bowl, what would you fill it with? A one minute ad? Like meaning like I have one minute of time, what would I do or what would I sell if it's an ad? Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, if I had a minute during the Super Bowl, I would probably sell some kind of like um, some kind of like like a message about love and kindness and um, you know um, positivity and never giving up and um, following your dreams. Like I'd probably do so one of those and people would be like, what the heck is this doing? <laughs> this. But I'd be like, well, that's my message. That was my one minute of like everyone's attention. They probably like shut me off after 15 seconds, but that's probably what I would do I, to be honest. I mean, it, yeah. knowing some of your characters, I think it would be cool to have like a, that same message, but using a variety of your characters all the different voices yes <laughs> definitely I can relate to that I feel like they all like you know live inside of a piece of me like um I've talked about this before uh but uh my dad was a bus driver in Queens and um his name is Alvito Safioti and uh I used to go to work with him when I wasn't in school and the the bus route went from this really bad neighborhood like really bad neighborhood in Jamaica, Queens. And it kind of just went all over Queens, like in, in a not 
good area. It's people like trying to get to the city um, and a lot of like, you know, immigrants riding on the bus trying to get into work. And he had the 4.30 report. So it's people, 4.30 a.m. So the people on the bus at 4.30 a.m. are, you know, certainly, um, you know, a certain type of person, right? That's, um, you know, not um, taking a car service to work, you know? Right. And I think that <laughs> so many of these voices and characters come from spending like nine hours a day on that bus, just, you know, and he's driving the bus and I'm sitting behind him and I'm just like, I would just sit there so quiet and I'd do my mad libs and I had my teddy bear and my Barbie, you know what I mean? And then I would um, just talk to all these people and I got to know all these people and, you know, like these Russian ladies bring these food on the, and my father's like, you don't eat that food. You know, we don't know what's in that food. And I'm just like, <laughs> like oh, you know, are you kidding me? Like that's Magdalena. And she's like, oh, you know, I bring for daughter. She like these and make special for her, you know? So it was like all these great people that I was just, I remember as a little girl just being like, wow, like who are these people? Cause you know, New York is like the melting pot and um, right. they were all riding the bus. And so was I, you know, um, you know, my dad is an Italian immigrant and his dad didn't speak any English. And um, so I kind of always grew up around like that, that kind of stuff. And I think that's really where, where, where it comes more naturally for me, you know, because you just kind of grow up around it, hearing all these different voices all the time. Um, for for Claudine on Monster High, um, I don't, you know, her voice is kind of she talks like that. And um, the first time I took my son to New York, we were on the subway, and um, he's like, he's really little, and he's tugging at me. He's like, Mama, Mama. He's like, Claudine is sitting right over there, and I was like, What? Are you what are you talking about? I was like, I don't see a poster, you know? And he said, no, she's sitting right there. Listen. And this girl's like, oh, last night I had so much fun. Let me tell you, my mother, she <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going out. I want your food, but I am going out. And I, and I would just burst out laughing. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, now is what I'm going to tell you that like, I stole her voice. I stole <laughs> her voice and all of the other people that have that accent. Like I grew up with these people. I'm like, you're right. That is a Claudine Wolf right there, that voice. Um, yeah. So that's where I think it all comes from for me, the voices and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. That's actually a perfect lead into my next question for you because, you know, you, you we love to hear about people's backstories and, and what helps get them to from where they were to where they are. And, and you, you gave us just a nice little insight in that because I, for one, love stories, and that's one of the reasons why I got into podcasting, so I could talk with people and, and talk with them about their story, about what, where, who they are, what they are, why they are, all these different things. So you've given us a little bit of insight, but I would like to know, um, what were the influences that you had that made you want to pursue a career in the arts, though? So you, were, you, were, you grew up around all these voices and things on the bus, and that's an awesome story, but what was it that tapped you on the shoulder, metaphorically speaking, and said, hey... Sally, you should be in the arts. Well, you know, you're going to think that I'm a crazy person, but um, <laughs> the first two things I remember wanting, like in the pit of my soul at, I don't even know what age, six, maybe. I, I just remember being like, I want to be a mom and I want to be an actor. And no one was acting around me. I never went to plays or anything like that. 
um, cause I kind of had a, like a little bit of a crazy childhood and, um, my mom was moving all over the place. So I was moving all over the place. And, um, I ended up back with my dad in fifth grade, uh, where then I was with him for the, you know, the rest of my growing up. Um, but I just remember it was like a burning desire inside of me that was like, oh, that's why I am on this earth. Like I, I, I'm meant to be a mother and I meant to do this acting thing. And I was like, who, how do I do that? Like, no one's going to help me with this. And what am I going to do? So every time we moved somewhere, I would always be like, is there a school play? <laughs> you know, and, and I would like, you know, I'd be an icicle in a school play or, you know, I, when I, when I lived at, I lived in Chino, California at one point and I, I played a uh, Clara in the Nutcracker suite. And that was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I knew it was true. Cause I never felt anything like that in my entire life when I got to do that. And then I moved to New York and my dad is very like, a New York Italian bus driver. And he's just like, he's his favorite things to say are like, people like us. So it's like, people like us don't go to college. Like people like us don't live in New York City. Like people like us don't become <laughs> actors. Like that's like his sayings. And so I always remember being like, oh, people like me do do that. You know, that's what we do. And uh, so I found an acting class maybe a year after I moved in with him. And um, I would babysit for the people across the street in exchange for rides to take the acting classes. Um, and, you know, I'd pay for it myself and uh, go, I took some acting classes and the guy was like, wow, you're really, really good. And I was like, then they made a management company and they wanted to sign me. My dad was like, I'm not taking you into the city. <laughs> like you're not that <laughs> cute, you know? It was cause I had like, I don't know if you like I had fang teeth. Like, you know, I really, I was, you know, like a little girl with some, you know, just regular person stuff. And so he took me a couple times and he was like, that's it, it's over, you know? And I remember, I don't know, no one knew that I was like pursuing acting on the side. It was like my little secret. I think I was afraid somebody was gonna take it away from me. Like if people knew, I don't know why, or maybe they would judge or I don't know. No one knew that I was always acting like, cause I didn't do it within school. Um, and then, I remember when I was in, I got a scholarship to college and I wanted to use it for acting school. And my dad was like, nope. <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> you got it from the transit workers union, which is his, his union. That's where I want it from. And he said, uh, he's like, I'm in charge of that money, you know? And so I wasn't allowed to act. And so my best friend was going to Parsons School of Design in New York City. We lived like 40 minutes outside of the city. And, uh, so I, I was like, all right, well, I'll go to FIT because I was working at Closed Doors of Fashion Institute of Technology. And right away, I was like, I was be, I beelined to an acting class. I was working three jobs, taking 21 credits, and I found a little acting class. Wow. And then I started a theater company. And, you know, back when the paper backstage, it was called Backstage there, not Backstage West, Backstage. And I just started auditioning for like independent movies, like, you know, plays you know and I was just always in a play always in an independent movie and and every time I did anything in theater or on film I was like it was just like this is it I knew it this is what I was supposed to do with my life you know and I just kept doing it and doing it and I think like some of the best training you can get is by doing, you know, um, and working yeah. with all, all different personality types and being directed by people who maybe aren't so nice 
and then some that are so nice and learning how to just like navigate through all of it. And, uh, and then I, I always was taking classes like outside of uh, college. And then um, I graduated FIT in two years and uh, I still had this four-year scholarship. And at that point, my dad was like, well, you do what you want. I'm not, I'm not paying for anything. And so I transferred to Hunter College in New York City because they had a theater arts program. And so I was able to major in theater arts and I minored in art history. And, uh, and then I had a, my own theater company in New York. And so they gave me like professional studies credit. And I went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London and I did some more training. And, and I was working like for free with three jobs, like forever. Um, I mean, I was <laughs> working 24 hours a day, I felt like, and not really making very much money. And my best friend was moving to LA and they're in a band and they were like, you know, come to LA with the band. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm too practical. <laughs> like I can't, and I'm not an LA person. And Anyway, like uh, six months later, I decided to just try and I auditioned for the play A Few Good Men and I got cast in that and I moved all my stuff to my dad's. He sold the house. He's like, I'm out of here. If you don't come get your stuff, I'm throwing it on the curb. And he meant it. And so I went back and I was like, oh, I don't want to live in LA, but how am I going to go back to New York now? I'm broke. So it's like into the city. And so I was like, all right, I'll give LA a one year shot. And then I got an on-camera agent and I got my first part on a TV show and they recurred me. And then they had a spin-off show and that show put me on that show. And I didn't do voice, I didn't get into voiceovers till quite a ways in. Um, wow. But yeah, I didn't even know really about voiceover because I didn't really do um, on-camera commercials or anything like that. I, I was just doing, you know, the occasional on-camera TV job. And I was in a ton of theater out here too. I was in play after play after play. I, I love theater so much that that's where like my roots run deep. Um, sure. Yeah. And then um, I was on the Tracy Ullman show, Tracy takes on and I, oh, I, I was, her, I was her double. So if she would play one of her characters and I'd play one of her characters doing the voice and the movements and everything. And I didn't even know that that was like a skill. Like I, I just kind of kept auditioning for it. And, and I had like eight auditions and they were finally like, yeah, you're the one she wants to work with. So you, you're going to be working every single day. So I did that. Oh, that's and cool. It was super cool because that's, that's again, what I was saying about theater, it's uh, on the job training. So it's like, I'm working with mm -hmm. all these major celebrities, like people that I never even thought I'd meet in my life. And um, I would be her in a scene with whatever Gary Oldman or, you know, whoever, Jeffrey Tambor, like all these people. And uh, it was a great experience. And then when I came off that, someone came up to me at a Hollywood party. And he was like, yo, baby, 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 you the girl that's on the Tracy Ullman show. And I was like, that's me. You know, he's like, I'm a really big fan. He's like, I hear you do all them characters. And I was like, I do. And he said, do one for me. And I was like, yeah, I'm also from New York. So I don't really talk on <laughs> command. So <laughs> thanks, you know, thanks for being a fan. And then he's like, you know, someone who I naturally talk in voices. Like I just have always done that if I'm talking, you know, doing someone's sure. voice, my voice. And, uh, and so he's just talking like that. And, and I finally just said, all right, I'll do Linda Granger. I'll do Chick the Cab Driver. I'll do Ruby Romaine. And then it was like an hour later, he's like, who's the millionaire who represents your voice? And I was like, I'm not a singer. And he's like, voiceover. And, you know, he called ICM. ICM called me in for a meeting and they signed me. It, 
it wasn't really the right place for me. I was there for a little bit, but I got my start there. And then I switched to my next agent for like 14 years and switched to my current agent. And um, that's my, they represent my son as well. So that's kind of the big, long story from there. Cool. Yeah. We like big, long, long stories. Story. Long stories are great stories. I'm not exciting and fun like OG. I'm getting a little insecure <laughs> about all his... <laughs> look nobody no you don't have to worry about that nobody has that much that much i don't know how og has that much og so we're good i'm like give me a script i can do it in 17 voices for you (laughs) i have to say that if we were talking to og right now with what my current energy level is i would just be sitting here with me oh my gosh i can't right now i just know uh, yeah, I, I was, uh, when we interviewed OG, I was not prepared for the level of OG, uh, that we, that we got. And yeah. And after a couple minutes, I realized that, you know, cause sometimes when you talk with people, uh, you know, there's a, a bit of a, this is who I am persona. And mm-hmm. then you, you get to realize with certain people after a few minutes, it's not a persona and it's definitely not a persona with OG. That's not even a question. OG no. is OG. Uh, he's that way, whether, yeah, before we got on camera, after we, after we were done everything, the couple, you know, the the conversations I've had with him since over text message or, or whatever else, just, you know, you can just feel the OG just when you saw our signing, he was the same way. Oh yeah. Your, your live show on Instagram, your, your signing show that you guys did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was, that was, it's all OG all the time. That's just the the way it is. The only other person I've met with OG's energy is my three-year-old. Yes. (laughs) And it's the how do you accurate going? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Accurate. I think he has a plug. I think he was plugged in when he was here. Gosh, he's. I love the man. I honestly believe the man is solar powered. Mm -hmm. So there's not enough caffeine in the world to keep up with him. True. True. (laughs) So I was looking over your list of characters that you've played both on screen and voiceover, and. I don't think that you've had any major recurring roles. I mean, you've had the Tracy Ullman show. You've had a couple, but nothing, nothing significant, I guess. I mean, significant sounds mean. I don't mean for mm-hmm. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but so some of those are similar, but they're all unique in their own ways. So when you're auditioning for roles, what do you look for? Do you look for story over character type of role or is it just whatever you can get? Well, I'd, I'd say it's a both and because, I mean, I'll do whatever you want me to do, um, even if it's not really my jam. Um, but where like my passion lies are like working on like like films like Zack Snyder's film or um, I was on that show Shameless. I got to do a couple episodes and yep. like I like that very much. Um, NYPD blue. I don't know if you guys know that back in the day and mm-hmm. um, ER, like that, that's the kind of work. I'm a very I like. character in ER. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I like, I like my on-camera work. I prefer to do like our drama or um, feature films or things like that, but voiceover, like, you know, the sky's the limit. Like I, I like all of it. I like video games. I like doing crazy animation. I like narration, you know, commercials, like any, anything like I, like, I like all of that, but I would say when, when I'm auditioning for something on camera, it's usually the character that, that jumps out to me, like something about the character. It's almost like the music thing. You know what I mean? Sometimes I read a character, like if, when they send the scenes and I'll read the character and it's like right away, I, I can 
feel the physical physicality in my body. I hear a voice in my head and I'm just like, oh yeah, this is going to be a fun one to do. Like, you know, cause I already, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a file for her, you know, in there mm-hmm. somewhere. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. And then other times, like I had uh, one recently for a very big movie playing a role that was really outside of my comfort zone, but a really cool part and something I was like, wow, I can't believe they asked me to read for this. Like a cool, cool, cool thing. And, uh, but I don't know if I'm not cool. So I don't know. I tried to be that cool, but that was really fun too, because then that was like a stretch. That wasn't, that was something for me that was, um, I would never have thought of myself for that part, but it was really fun to go there, like in the audition. So that, like, I like things that get my juices going, you know? Right. Yeah. Sure. And whereas like some of the auditions are just like, it could be really not anybody, but you know what I mean? Like, if there's not a lot going on, like I like meaty scenes, meaty parts. I prefer when there's a lot of dialogue because then I feel like I, I can get an understanding of the character, where they're coming from. In my mind, I, I like I know their whole story. Whereas if it's like, Mr. Smith, here's the paperwork you asked for. Uh, you have a meeting at 530. You know, okay, yes, I'll, I'll go get that coffee. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, well, what am I going to bring to that character? You know, that's right. hard for me. Um, so I would say, you know, by, by choice is by, is finding like a cool character that I like an outfit that I can put on that I feel like, you know, is in there, but it's a little bit of a stretch, you know, even on shameless, it's like, I never thought I would get that part. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that part, but that was like, I went in there and I was like looking, it was back when you went in person and I was looking around the room going, why am I here? Like, I'm not like this part. Like, are you kidding me? Well, she should get it or her. Okay, it's gonna be like that's their first choice. That's their that's their third choice. Yep. And I'm like, don't do that to yourself, Sally Safiotti. Like, that's not a good good thing to do. Like, it's not a comparison. Right. You don't know what they want. So I kind of went in there <clears throat> with it, but it almost made me like fearless because I was like, well, I have nothing to lose here. You know, there's a room full of such talented actresses and. Um, in my mind, maybe one of them would have been better suited to it. And to this day, it was the, probably the, the most fulfilling part I've ever That's played cool. on camera. And because uh, William H. Macy directed my episode as oh, well. Yeah. Oh, cool. So we, we were like working hand in hand and he's a complete collaborator. He would ask my opinion about everything. Like, what do you think about this? And do you like that we have you doing that? And do you have anything you'd rather do? And I was like, well, do you really want to know? Or do you want me to say, like, I can make everything work? Or do you want me to tell you what I really feel? Because it it's diff- different than what we're doing. He's like, no, yeah. that's what I want to know. And then I was like, okay, why is she this? And I don't understand why that. And he's like, did everyone hear that? We're going to try it, get rid of that, lose that, go back to one. And we tried it. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's so much better. And I was like, <laughs> Maybe I'll be a director one day. (laughs) That's cool though that he that he took that he not only sought out your input but but acted upon it. That's really cool. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you that you know, I've been on a bunch of TV shows and never once had I had anyone ever um ask ask my opinion and um change the scene. I had a couple of scenes with him and the one scene was his performance he was asking me about and I was like well you're one of the best actors I know so yeah it's really good he's like but does it serve the scene like you said in the other scene and I was like well 
Did I tell you no? I really think that. And I like spout my opinion. And he's like, really? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm not watching it on, on Video Village. I don't know what it looks like over there. I'm just, that would be, you know, my opinion would be this. I was like, but I, I don't know. You just ask my opinion. That's my opinion. All right, everyone, let's, and he tries it and he's, and he's like, I'm going to go look at it. And he comes back. He's like, you're hundred percent right. And he did it. And like, when I saw the final product, I was like, mm, he used my note. That's right. <laughs> so Sally, that has been brought to you by Sally Safiotti. Where's <laughs> yes. so I get extra pay for that? No. <laughs> so Sally, that actually leads into my question. Um, talking about how that role was something that uh, almost like your most prized possession. And, you know, do you have any other roles or characters that you have that are really close or that you hold near to your heart? Um, that I've played already or? Yeah. Um, well, my favorite play I was ever in was in New York. Um, it was called Dungeons. It got published, which is super exciting because my name is in it. <laughs> and as a theater actor, that's like your dream, right? Um, and I played like a, a homeless person in that play. There's like been some kind of an eruption in New York City and this guy's car is like under the street and he's wedged in there. And this um, older black man and I are two homeless people that live under there and he's like in a tuxedo and it's like this clashing of the worlds and you don't know if there's been an earthquake in New York or whatever and it's this really it was a really moving play. It was funny too. It was dark, like dark, dark. Um, that's my cat. She she likes to, she likes to have a voice as well. Um, yeah, she's a, my cat is about to turn twenty. She's oh my queen. Oh wow. Forever. I don't know where she is. I hear her, but um, so that was probably my favorite play that I ever did, and my favorite voiceover I ever did was um, uh, I, we hear you. Hey, come over here. <laughs> come over here. Oh, she wants more food, I think. Um, it was, uh, oh my gosh, I'm totally spacing on the name. Um, I played Ming Namara, uh, The Lost Odyssey. Oh that was, because that was this super cool experience. I mean, I think we recorded for well over a year and I had never worked on something that, that was like a, like they had all these beautiful, it was some of the most beautiful scenes I'd ever seen in my life. And like, and it would be like beep, beep, beep. And I'd be like lost in like the music and the, and the art. And they were like, okay, Sally. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, because I was just like, you know, like, go, like, I was like, wow. <laughs> like, 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 um, a mosquito going to the light, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that was a really cool project to work on. And there were just like, there was just so much work and, and to do a character like that. Um, she was also, I had been doing so many video games at the time where I'm like screaming and like soldiers and things like that. And she was like, you know, this queen that was just really like kind of dropped in down here. So she didn't try very hard and, and she was very like benevolent and not, even though she's regal, she wasn't really that hoity-toity. And I don't know, I, like, I like that too, like playing a character that, you know, there's all these, you know, you expect a queen to be like a queen. And she was just kind of like this really warm, kind, loving. So I like that. And then, and then I like things like, um, 
like, and I know it wasn't a big uh, box office success. Um, the Prince of Persia, the first video game, I played mm -hmm. uh, Razia and like they, they brought in um, a dialect coach because uh, I, I was, you know, Persian in that. And, and then he came in at the end and um, had taught, taught me how to speak Farsi for the lines. And like, I love stuff like that too, or like Spider-Man Web of Shadows, um, where I was, uh, um, where I got to speak Russian, um, playing, uh, sorry, the cat is totally distracting me, <laughs> playing Black Widow, <laughs> um, you know, because they had me play her with a Russian accent and then they had her speaking, you know, Russian. So I, I like stuff like that too, because again, it feels like that stretch. Like I feel very confident in all of my accents, but then, to take it to that next level and speak the language is always like, oh, this is fun, you know, <laughs> let's try that one on. So, you know, I like things like that. And like, for, I like different things about, you know, all different parts. Like I liked working on ER because I got to work with all of the stars on that show. And um, I was a nurse that outranked the doctors. And that was just like, I like, I like those things that you don't expect, you know? Mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. And then, you know, NYPD Blue, when I, I played, like, she was like all, all of my cousins, you know what I mean? She's like, you know, Butchie was driving my car, you know, and it's like, she's wearing this like little thing. She's got leopard skin wallpaper. I like, I walked in there like, oh, here's your, your house. And I was like, oh my goodness. Now I know. <laughs> like, I I'm home. Work on that character. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So all that, like, I like all that stuff. I mean, I, 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 I like so much of what I get to do. I feel so lucky that I get to do it every day. I can't even believe that somehow I went from this little girl that wanted to do this and I get to do it all the time. And nobody really helped me out along the way. I just kind of just kept trying, 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 trying. And here we are, you know, and there's a lot right. more I, I want to do. I have hopes of doing lots, lots more, you know, we'll see. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so speaking of one of the things that you have done, uh, I am an avid uh, Destiny 2 player. Uh, in fact, I was a Destiny 1 player. Thank you very much. Um, but I was really excited to find out that you had voiced a character in one of the games I play with so much regularity. And, and honestly, I didn't even know that you were in the game until today. I don't know how I missed it going over your the list on IMDb of all your credits and everything. Um, but as I was scrolling through today, I was like, oh, she was Aramis. That was really cool to me. That was kind of like mine. Anyway, um, and I'm you know honestly i can't wait for february 22nd 2022 because that's when the next dlc comes out more content anyway um, it's a it's a tuesday yes i know i'm very well aware uh it's just funny to me i may have 2022 on a tuesday i think and it's yeah for destiny too so i think they did it on purpose anyway um so games like destiny and you know, you're also in world of warcraft and a few of these other games they are, they are so heavily lore based and there's a lot of information, you know, that you have to, you know, that as a player to understand that, you know, you know, who I'm fighting against or what I'm, what I'm doing in the game, you kind of have to understand some of the lore and how it works and all these different things. But how do you approach characters like that? You know, characters like Aramis or characters in World of Warcraft and things like that, where there's this immense backstory and, and lore and all these things. Do you you know, I guess I'll just leave it at that. How do you approach a character like that? Um, well, in World of Warcraft, um, 
they always start like when you book a part like that, they start with these, like you do a, the cinematics first and they could take multiple hours. Mm -hmm. So during the exploration of the cinematic, um, you're really like figuring out the character with the director in the moment, right? So she's got all the, the information, the director, she has all the information and she's telling me about all the like, and then this and that, and this is where they came from and this is where they ended up. And, and this is how, you know, they got there today. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of like this, yes, you know? So we're kind of like okay. building, building on things like that. And like, that's something I really like about Blizzard um, that when you get one of those roles, there's, they spend a lot of time with you. Um, kind of getting you to that place where you need to be to get started. Um, and with Destiny, it was like, I think I started recording that like right after the pandemic um, lockdown happened. And okay. um, I didn't, I have like a nice booth now. I, I mean, my, my booth was fine too here, but I have my other booth was right back there. And it, it's like a, an under the stair closet that I had converted into a booth, but I have a neighbor because I live in a townhouse that also has a stair. So all of a sudden their kids are home and running up and down the stairs and you hear like a, <laughs> and everyone, the engineers would be like, what's happening? And I was like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, it's the neighbor's kids or there'd be a low vibration. He's like, do you have your air on? No, it's 110 degrees in here. I don't have my air on, but my neighbor <laughs> does, you know? So then there'd be this like, so um, when, when we started with that one, um, it, you know, it's usually the director that prepares you, right? So, so you've done, for the audition, you get a big old description of your character, like okay. with Aramis. And then, um, it, and sometimes it'll say like, open to this, maybe that, you know? So like, cause I think they're kind of like, here's what we know, you show us. Like, you know, you, you bring the character. And for that one, I remember like uh, there was a callback that character so I remember at the callback he was like oh like I, I didn't know you had that voice inside of you because I'm I don't know I'm a pretty low-key person like I mean like I don't generally walk around going oh I am blah 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 you know <laughs> um, <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and so we kind of did that and and he said does that hurt your voice and I said a little bit you know and he's like well you know if you got the part we'd be able to break it up into multiple sessions so don't worry about it and I was like oh okay um but there's such a description that you get with your audition that is kind of like, kind of, again, catches you up to like what's happened before, where you, where she came from, um, what her current life is like, why she is the way that she is. Um, and then there's like a, usually a picture. And, it, and if it's not the actual picture, it's an idea like, what the character would be, right? And and again, like for me, it's it's like a whole thing. Like, so if I see a picture and I read some of a description, then I um, I automatically had like a voice that was like wanting to come outside of me. And I was like, when he asked me, does that hurt your your uh, throat? I was thinking like, yeah, it was a, right as I was doing the voice. I was like, oh yeah, this girl, she's gonna have she's gonna have vocal problems someday. <laughs> But, uh, and then it's all like working as a collaborator with the director because the director knows everything, right? And the director okay. is kind of just, you know, letting you know what's happening right before this moment and why we're in like this big meeting. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't really, I, like I don't study other characters to get my characters. 
I like I feel like I feel the character and um and if I book it it's me, me and the director collaborating to Perfect. get there okay cool so you were talking about your your home studio your booth at home and the last couple of years have definitely changed how most entertainment is made and especially voice acting um so what impact do you think that the work from home technology has had on voice acting and how great is it to be able to work in your comfy clothes? Oh, girl, let me tell you. <laughs> um, well, I think that like the technology really, it was, it was already all ready because um, a lot of people were already working from home, promo people, for instance. Like I had done a number of promos from my under the stair closet booth. Um, I worked for Jimmy Kimmel a lot and that's always from home. So I was already working from home, but not like um, video games and animation and things like that. Um, so for me, I think it was two weeks into the pandemic when I realized, oh, wow, with everyone home, you can, you can really hear lots of noise. So I bought like a, a booth that was built to go down in my basement. Um, and I already, and, and I got Source Connect and um, I think I got IPDTL, like these things that were already all out there, but I never really needed them. Cause like for Jimmy Kimmel or, <clears throat> you know, promos, they would usually be willing to phone patch, you know, so they would just listen over the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, I think the technology was all there and it just like maybe, you know, they had to like scramble to make it, you know, more readily available for the masses, I think. Um, but it's so, it's so great because my son also does voiceover. And before, if he had a session, I, I couldn't work, right? So I would, in, in the olden days, I'd pick him up from school. We would drive like 45 minutes to Burbank. I'd wait while he was working an hour or whatever. And um, uh, so I can't work when he's working and I also can't do my auditions when he's working and then, you know, driving home. So now I, then I have to make dinner and um, I haven't done any of my auditions and, and I couldn't work after school then because we're driving all over the place. Um, so now he and I can have like back-to-back -back sessions or while he's working because the booth is now downstairs and it's a real booth, I can be cooking dinner. <laughs> like when it, yeah. before it was right here and my kitchen is right here. So it was like, you couldn't do anything. Like if, if one of us was working, it's like everyone had to be quiet. Um, okay. so, you know, I think that, you know, technology has made it so incredibly easy <laughs> to work from home. No, we were just, we were laughing about your cat. My gosh, that was like the most she's ever cried. <laughs> well, I was over here with the, oh, she's saying now, now you want, now, she wants your attention. Now. Yeah, Nick's, food, she now. Wants food. She wants food. What time is it? Yeah, she wants food. Nick's like, no, she sounds like Owen Wilson with the, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny to me because I have, I have a cat who typically will sit on the other side of our door and howl during our podcasts. That's so funny. But he has this teeny tiny little girly squeak meow, mm. and it's like you just sound. He'd be jealous of your cat, like a baby. Now that's my other cat is five, and and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm like, you're never gonna grow up. No, that, well, that's the thing is that's what Ernie's like too. Is he's got that little that little girly meow. Yeah, but yeah. He, my toddler was up in the middle of the night, and I was in her room with her, and the cat is outside her bedroom door. 
mom mom like seriously (laughs) i can only do i'm just one person (laughs) i can only deal with one of you wanting mommy at a time i love your shirt by the way super cute thank you i like it i love my doctor who stuff Mm -hmm. hers or mine oh what does yours say i can't see what does it say row row your oh oh (laughs) (laughs) that's cute i like it So we have a Facebook group and it has over 196,000, I think, yes. members. And it is just filled with memes. So you got this mixed with this and that's where the funny comes in. Uh-huh. So which two of your characters that you have played would you like to see come together and be in the same show together? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think about that. Um, maybe, um, Hilda from Fire Emblem and, uh, like Aramis (laughs) from (laughs) Destiny. (laughs) That's like a polar opposite dichotomy right there <laughs> in looks colors voices everything and animated bosom buddies there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right so sally we're at a stage in the show where we like to take our guests and run them through a quiz oh boy oh boy here we go so what <laughs> it is it's, it's a five question quiz and okay. we call it this quiz is called name that year Okay, so what we're going to do is give you three titles of movies and three possible years that the movies came out in. Okay, and so each each question is multiple choice. You'll have an opportunity uh, to to get a a good guess in there. If you get get three of the questions correct, we're going to send you one of these lovely I gave to the red shirt widows and orphans coffee mugs. Okay. so if you get four of the questions correct, we're going to send you that book along with that mug we're going to send you that mug along with this book custodians of the cosmos which is written by nick's father drayton allen and the founder of our facebook page it's all about uh, someone who quite wanted to go to something like starfleet but not starfleet didn't quite make it washed out and rejoined as a custodian so he could boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went (laughs) so And if you get them all wrong, you get... If you get less than three correct, we do what we call a fun sequence. We take a picture of you, we make a meme out of you, and we put you in our Facebook group. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. All tastefully done, I assure you. And in good company. Dan Havenmeyer is in the meme-verse because of failing our quiz. Okay. I should have had wine in my cup instead of water. (laughs) (laughs) So they won't be that hard. There's, like I said, there's five questions. Though so you'll get three movie titles and three possible years. Okay. Okay. <gasps> yep. Take it <sighs> away, Nick. Go for it. All right. Logan's Run. Rocky. Carrie. Was it 1971, 1974, or 1976? 1976. Very good. Did I get it right? You did. You got it right. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There's one. 
All right, question number two. The Three Amigos, Flight of the Navigator, and Stand By Me. But 1984, 1986, or 1989? Three Amigos, Stand By Me. And Flight of the Navigator. And Flight of the Navigator. Sorry, what are the choices I got? <laughs> 1984, 1986, or 1989? Oh, it's either 84 or 86. Mm. 86. That is correct. Woo! Two for two. All right, you get one more and you're out of the lottery tonight. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number three. Green Lantern, Captain America, the first Avenger. Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Dark of the Moon? Yep. Can I use a okay. lifeline? <laughs> we got 2001, 2020, or 2011. You're going to have to repeat the titles. <laughs> <laughs> Green Lantern, Captain America, the First Avenger. Transformers, Dark of the Moon. And, and the years again, sorry. 2001, 2020, or 2011? 2011. You are correct. Wow! Three for three! Three for three! Three for three! <laughs> All right, we're going to send you a coffee mug. And you oh, are no longer coffee. at risk of being a meme. Yeah, you're out of meme land. Huh. All right, question number four. Spider-Man Far From Home. Shazam and Avengers Endgame. But 2019, 2009, or 1999? 2019. That is correct. Woo! Four for four. Right. <laughs> four for four, you get the coffee mug and you, we'll send you the book as well. Oh, baby. And we'll just do this question for fun. Batman Forever. Goldeneye, James Bond, Apollo 13. Was it 1977, 87, or 95? 87? Sooner so, than that. Hold on. I'm going <laughs> to I'll give you a I'll give you a hint. So you and I were born in the same year. We okay. were? We were. Uh, from unless IMDb lied, but you know uh, I am DB says that we're both. Does it say? Does, it says we're both bicentennial babies. Okay. And so I'm assuming that if we were born in the same year, we probably graduated high school close to the same years. So I'm, I graduated in 1995. Mm-hmm. So, so your choice. So I'm just saying that could be one of your choices. So what were the choices again? 77, 87, or 95. Hmm, could it be 95? <laughs> five for five. Who would have thought? 95. <laughs> Graduated in 95, Tim. Yep, I sure did. <laughs> I have to bring All it up right. every once in a while. It just makes me happy. Um, hold on. I'm looking for the kick button. Come on. <laughs> it just needs to be a get off my lawn button. Well, it could happen. <laughs> Wait, how many kids do you have? I have Just three. One. 
One, you have three? I have three. Oh my God, how old are yours? 22, 19, and, and 14. Oh my gosh. So you've got mostly adults-ish. Mm-hmm. Adult. Mine are negative eight, negative 10, and... <laughs> <laughs> Is that a negative? <laughs> Do you have a screaming cat? Uh, I have a cat, but he doesn't usually scream. He's a silent cat? Yep. <laughs> And you have a toddler, right? I do. I have a three-year-old. I love three. I love. I do too. It is so much fun, and it's also so exhausting. It's so exhausting, but there's so much fun. I love kids like that because it, like, they think that they know everything then, or, or they're also so curious. You know, I just Mm -hmm. love that little. mm. Every day is an adventure with a three-year-old. Totally. My son got his very first voiceover job when he was four and a half years old, and. It was like a fluke. It was just like a fluke situation. Cause I was, I was like, no, he's not going to be in the entertainment business. And my new agents were like, oh, would you let him say one word into your microphone? And oh, they'll just use the audition. I was like, he's at, you know, preschool. Like, <laughs> what do you want him to say? And uh, anyway, it was box trolls, right? And, and so he didn't get the trailer, but they were like, oh, they fell in love with his voice and they want him to read for the lead as a little boy. And I was like, oh. God, I don't, this is not my jam. I don't want to be a stage mom. He doesn't want to be, you know, it's, we're not doing right, this. Right, right. <clears throat> but he was like, I, I do that, mama. I do that if I can whistle at the end. And so he did the audition and then he did a little whistle at the end. And then he played the little boy, like in the first 20 minutes of like the baby in the first mm-hmm. 20 minutes of the box trolls. And um, yeah, that was how he got it. That's how he got That's his start. Awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, he was so cute then. Now he's a stinky teenager. It happens. <laughs> Three times it's happened to me. Oh my so. goodness. Mine turns 13 next week. Mm. That's crazy. Well, Sally, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're working on now? Well, I am on Instagram at Sally Safioti Actress. So it's hard to spell it. S-A-L-L-I-S-A-F-F-I-O-T-I-A-C-T-R-E-S-S. <laughs> and Twitter, I don't really do much Twittering, but I'm at Sally Safiotti. And Facebook, I think that the Instagram goes to some a Facebook page, like Sally Safiotti Actress also. Um, okay. That's the best place to find out. I'm pretty active on um, the Instagram one, Sally Safiotti Actress. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, not so good with the other stuff. All right, we will still link all of them so that our viewers and our listeners can find you. Thank you. All right, we want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Sally and funny moments that you can listen to. So please subscribe. It's that little button you're going to find right well down there somewhere. Anyway, uh, click it just the one time. You click it twice, it, it undoes all the fun stuff. But subscribe, it's going to help us more than we can ever really describe. And you're going to want to go check out Sally's work as well. Follow her on Instagram. It's a lot of fun. I can attest to that. Now, however, if you're not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That is Claudine Wolf. She <laughs> and the rest of her ghouls will run your complaint to ground and make sure that it's taken care of expeditiously. <laughs> however, you might want to make sure that your complaint isn't placed somewhere around the time of a full moon, because in Claudine's own words, it gets pretty hairy for her around then. But for the most part, her and all and her friends will make sure that all offenders will be forced to clean 
the pit of horror and have plenty of time to think about all the atrocities they have committed. Thanks again. Oh, thank you. I, thank I you, Sally. Like this has been a lot of fun. Guys. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, the Uber comedian, like some of the oh, guests. a lot of fun. You're a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm a talker. We <laughs> like talkers. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it was great to meet you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you will give Red Shirt crewman number 67. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins Heimerdinger and Jace in the study of the arcane, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope. Because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his hashtag creation. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. Information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs>